fuzzy half moon shining in the clear cold sky. Candles burning down, emitting light. Yes, just here. Even the folks who live here, you know, they've been invaded by the rest of us, so it isn't the same home. The word homeless uh, can mean out of the house, and it refers to a person who supposedly left the householder's life and the temptations and obligations of the secular world left behind. Sometimes thought of as a hermit or someone who lives in a small hut, very small hut, or in a monastery. In our Zen way, homeless I think it's a wonderful definition. It's called being at home in the universe. Yeah. Kind of the, this is the condition of true homelessness. It's a maturity of not relying on anything and responding to what turns up at our doorstep, metaphorically speaking. Okay. In some sense, there's a lot of freedom in being homeless. And um, in this particular time, with all of us here at Yonman Junction, it's a wonderful opportunity. I was thinking, as I was upstairs, of a, a temple in Korea that uh, I visited with Venerable Sunum in 1982 when I went on my first pilgrimage there. And it was called Nawansa. And uh, originally it was founded by uh, one of the great Korean monks, Wonhyo. But over the centuries, as invaders came and various things happened, it was a nun's temple when we saw it. And it was a special temple because people went for three to six year retreats. So five days, just, this is just a few moments in that experience. 
and uh, it was beautiful to uh, have tea with the abbess and, uh, and have her show us around. And then later on, I noticed that what we did a lot of times when we would go around is Sunam would tell us the stories of the place and a little bit of the history that he knew, and sometimes he would look through his Korean books and find. It was really wonderful to hear the stories of the place. And this particular place uh, had been um, the place where the great teacher Won Hyo had been abbot and had taught. And, a, and the story goes that 1,000 monks from Tang, China had come over and been training at Neiwansa and all had become enlightened. And so in the story, Sunam was reflecting, why, what about this place and this thing? How could 1,000 monks become enlightened? And then he reflected further, it must have been the beauty of the place. It's like on a mountain, and uh, the nuns had kept the gardens in a beautiful way, and there were a lot of other mountains around. When we went there, uh, we had a guide, a monk who guided us to a place on another mountain besides Neiwansa where one hill had meditated. I think I told some of you this before. It was like a, a worn out kind of place in the rocks. So I must have meditated a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, you had to creep along a ledge to get to it. And then when you sat there in this little sort of place, stony place, it had a beautiful view of the mountains. So Sunam said, okay, go and sit where one know. So I crept along and then sat down there. And it was indeed a beautiful view. Uh, and also sort of auspicious that the great old monk had been there centuries before. Anyway, so Sunam was speculating, well, it must be that so many people became uh, enlightened because it's such a beautiful place. And then he said, and then there were so many people trying. It must have been inspiring. And then the, they were all studying the Avatamsaka Sutra, which is all about enlightening beings in the process of enlightenment. So they were studying that sutra while they were doing all their meditation and everything else. So when I think of Nawansa in that experience, especially in the wintertime, I seem to think of our own temples. They're kind of versions of Nawansa as we do Yangman Zhongzhen, winter Yangman Zhongzhen. So I feel the same way that this is a really beautiful temple. I'm, I think it's my eyes, but I think it is too. And then it's beautiful winter time. And, all, and the cold is beautiful in this kind of way because it makes it an austere, more austere experience for us. And there's 23 of us, you know, which is a good group. Yeah. So, May the 23 of us get awakened on this Zen Buddhist <laughs> temple, Toronto Mountain, in the midst of winter. So we are here for that. And one of the things, I wonder if you have given thought about this, have you made a, a retreat vow or a retreat intention? Or kind, some kind of, you know, I 
going to try to do this or that. Because if you haven't, it's a good idea to think about that. Because at points in the retreat, in the day, in the morning, in one sitting, we always have the choice to go various ways. And if we make a wholesome vow or commitment, that we can remember that and come back to it. Yeah, so I am suggesting to you that just take a moment to think, what kind of a vow would you make? Because you've become a homeless person for this period of time. Ah, to make the most advantage of it. Okay, so then the next thing is that if you um, come to our Toronto our Ann Arbor Temple, you will see um, on the front porch hanging a little bell, just quite a little bell, and it's got a fish for a clanger. And if you go to Korea, you'll also see that same kind of bell often around the temples. I remember I just saw the movie about the wonderful cook, Jung Kwang, Jung Kwang, and at the temple where she, there I was so happy to see this bell with the, with the fish. And so when the wind blows, it has this certain sound. And the reason it's there is because there's a story in our tradition that the fish goes um, up the river, you know, to spawn. And uh, sometimes when it goes up, it has to jump up um, waterfalls in the river. So it, it, ha it, go it gets a little way up and falls back, and then it has really determination, jumps up again, and then, it, so it might try many, many times, and then Finally, with a lot of um, practice and energy, it gets up. And when it's at the top and swims over the top, it becomes a dragon. And in Oriental um, literature, dragon is a, you know, a, a symbol of an enlightenment. So after many efforts, it gets up, swimming against the streams, gets, gets to be a dragon. So we're all in the process of, you know, becoming dragons. Some of us silver dragons, some of us mm -hmm. other kinds of dragons. And there's a wonderful poem kind of about this too. Um, it is done by Zhui uh, Zhao, a Song Dynasty Zen master. And it goes like this, one, seven, three, five, the truth you search for cannot be grasped. As night advances, a bright moon illuminates the whole ocean. The dragon's jewels are found in every way, in this way. No, no, looking for the moon, it is here, in this way, in the next way. So the dragon's jewels are, are the jewels of enlightenment, and the moon is, represents enlightenment too. So our liturgy book is Moon Journeying Through Clouds. That's what we're doing. The clouds are our habitual patterns that leap up sometimes. 
are, are encoding in a certain sense. So, but what this is saying is that in, in every moment, in every wave, enlightenment is a possibility for us, everywhere. And so, as we have the rest of this retreat to go, we, the truth of life, our life, and our very being can manifest wherever we are and whatever we're doing. So I'd like you to take that very seriously. This here, now, and this is what we've got. And it has great potential. Yeah. You cannot take a step on this Zen Buddhist Temple Toronto mountain without the opportunity, really, taking the opportunity to awaken. Pretty exciting. Well, I think so. <laughs> Not to be skeptical. There's this little thing that you know. Evening gata, gata means verse. Let me respectfully remind you, life and death are of supreme importance. Time swiftly passes by and opportunity is lost. Each of us should strive to awaken. Awaken! Take heed. Do not squander your life. Amen. So would you all just sit for a moment? Think about the... You can just sit like this, rather than going back to your place. And think about the little vow that you might make for the rest of the retreat. Or maybe it's a really big vow. Because it will be something that can help you a lot. the ones I thought about for myself, it's kind of a crazy wisdom one. It is to say thank you for the things that I hope will not come up. Because obviously they're the things that I need to work with. And a lot of times I just want to get rid of them instead of just appreciating the opportunity that they have. It's called softening into practice. 